You're listening to Your Credit Today with your host, Angela Setters-Vissard, sponsored by Conquer Credit Management. Hey, good afternoon, good morning, or good evening. Whenever you're listening to this voice here, this is A to the N to the G. You are listening to Your Credit Today. And hey, friends and fans out there, if you have not subscribed to this station or to this podcast, please hit that subscribe button. I mean, you got to tell all of your friends and family about Your Credit Today and the amazing information and tips that you're learning. So, hey guys, today I thought it would be an amazing idea to focus on what credit restoration is, what credit management is, what a credit coach should be doing for you. I get these questions all of the time, and I thought, hey, you know what? What not a better time or platform to talk about these issues, but to talk about on your credit today. So, today we're going to be talking about a high level of what you need to know when you say, hey, you know what? I really need to look at my credit history and become a better student about what I'm looking at. I need to be able to understand what my credit score actually means and how these agencies derive or come up with these numbers and this information. So guys, for the next four shows, we are going to be focusing on real credit restoration, coaching, and having a true understanding of what it means to get your credit in tip-top shape. Now, as you know from our past shows, we've talked a lot of details about very specific parts of understanding credit. But what I wanted to go over in these next four shows is what you should be able to expect out of a company if you hire them. Now, the reason that I am coming up with this content and information and bringing it to you is because I'm getting an increasing number of people that are calling me that are saying, hey, I hired this company to repair my credit and they guaranteed me 100% that they would be able to do X, Y, and Z. And the thing is, guys, that unfortunately in my world, and as long as I've been doing this 30 years, yeah, we won't talk about how old I am. But anyways, as long as I've been doing this, there's no way to 100% guarantee that anything can be removed from your credit history. And why is that? The biggest reason why is because we don't know what happened. So if a company says, we 100% guarantee that we can remove things from your credit report and they never ask you for an explanation or an understanding or reason as to why your credit looks the way that it is or why you've had some troubles with a creditor, unfortunately, they won't be successful in helping you. So what we really want to do is we want to get down to the nuts and bolts, like I said, of credit restoration, understanding when you hire someone to coach you to advocate for yourself, that you are getting the best information. I was talking to a client this morning and he was, you know, a little bit defeated with the fact that he's been working with a company for the last year and he hasn't really been able to get anywhere in terms of getting his credit score in a better position. And we talked and I said, you know, look, let's take a look at a copy of your credit report and see maybe why this company is not having success. So, of course, we looked at things and he said, you know, the biggest thing that I was upset with 
is that I've Googled and I've asked a bunch of information on the internet and the answers to my questions that I'm getting back are saying, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I said, you know, listen, we can't depend on Google for everything. Google has a lot of information about people's opinions. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're facts or laws or things of that nature. So you have to be really careful about where you go to retrieve wisdom when it comes to your very, very personal and important asset, which is your credit. Okay, so I'm not going to go on a tangent about that because you guys know that I can do that for days and days and hours and hours, but I am going to focus on the nuts and bolts of what we need to know today. So I'm going to give you a menu of some of the things that we're going to talk about. The first one is we're going to talk about understanding the credit scoring system Uh, a FICO score, a credit score, whatever it is that you want to call it, we're going to be talking about what it actually means, okay, and how they come to these particular scores. The second thing that we're going to talk about is the credit bureaus and understanding who they are, why they exist, how they operate, et cetera. The next thing we I really want to focus on is monitoring and why it is so drastically important to monitor your credit. We'll talk about identity theft and what you need to know if you have been a victim. We're going to talk about collections and legal judgments and what you need to know when it comes to the statute of limitations and or if you have a collection, what you can expect to do with a collector and the different types of collections. We're going to talk about credit card companies and late payments that people have with credit card companies, what some of the bigger banks versus the smaller banks or retail companies, um, credit unions, places like that, the differences in how you can process having information removed from such companies. We're going to talk about mortgage lates. And specifically right now during the pandemic, what's happening is that a lot of clients are deferring their payments with their mortgage or with their credit card companies. And as we talk about those particular subjects, I want to lightly just help you understand what you need to do when and if you have been affected by COVID-19 and you are asking for deferments on your mortgage or forbearance or whatnot, the different things that you need to know that can happen. And I'm not going to get into the specifics about that on this show, because like I said, the first thing that we are going to focus on is the credit scoring system. So a lot of us refer to our credit score as our FICO score, and that's okay. You can refer to it as your FICO score if you'd like to, and typically the reason that people lean on that name is that they are the originators of the scoring system, the mathematics that are used, the algorithms that were created to come up with a credit score. And a credit score is packed with a ton of information, but there's over 150 different factors or algorithms that go into a credit score. But the big things that we want to focus on are these things here. Length of credit history, meaning how long you've actually had an account open and have used it, your debt to credit ratio, 
which is a big thing. We'll, we'll talk about that. I just want to overview the things we're going to talk about when it comes to your credit score. So again, these are the things that help to make up the math or make up what your credit score looks like, okay? So we said length of credit history, debt to credit ratio, your payment history, okay? Your address history. Ooh, why is that so important? We're going to talk about that. And multiple names, okay, or social security numbers, information that may be cross-referenced with you, new credit, types of credit, and any credit that you have closed over a 90-day period. So all of these things comprise your particular credit history or your credit score. And what's important to know and understand is that there are pieces of this, what I'll call the credit score pie, that are more impressionable on your credit history and your credit score than other things. So let's talk about length of credit history, which we said was the first thing. The reason why length of credit history is so important is that when we think about credit, we're thinking about it in a relationship standpoint of view. <laughs> so when someone pulls your credit history, okay, and I'm, I'm laughing because it's kind of a funny thing when you think about it, and they're looking at a copy of your credit history, and let's say it's a bank that's looking at it, it's really attractive to them to see that you have had a long-standing history with certain banks and financial institutions, and that you've had a good credit history with those particular companies. And why is that? Because at the end of the day, every bank and financial institution is looking at weighing their risk. So they want to have an understanding of what kind of risk you particularly are. And if you are someone who's had a long-standing relationship with several banks and you've had a good credit history, well, chances are you're going to be good with them as well. So length of credit history is super important. And the reason that I um, am impressing the importance upon you in terms of keeping uh, accounts for a long time and not closing them out is that very reason that I just said. We're going back to an old way of processing when it comes to loan valuation. Back in the day, let's just say maybe two years ago, they really just relied on the credit scoring system to be able to help them understand if a client is, uh, you know, loan worthy. And now what we're going back to is we're actually looking at the credit history and having an understanding from a processing standpoint of view, from an auditing standpoint of view of what someone's credit history looks like. They're not just depending on uh, uh, technology now, which would be just the FICO score. If someone, let's say, has a 700 FICO score, an underwriter is now going to look at that and see the reasons why their credit score might not be 760. So I'm saying that to say that there is power in having a long credit history with a bank. Just because another credit card company sends you an offer in the mail for a 0% interest rate transfer, and I know that that's sexy, doesn't mean that you want to throw away or close an account that you've had for 10 years, 
okay? You still want to keep that account. And it's really important to build a strong credit history is to have a long and lengthy time period that you've had relationships with banks. So that's one of the biggest parts of your credit score. It's, you know, when I say one of the biggest parts, it's about 10% of your credit score. So again, this is why length of history is so ultra important to the credit score. Um, Now let's go to the next one, debt to credit ratio. Now I have clients call me all the time and they're super upset and don't understand why their credit score is lower when they have perfect credit. And I'll look at a copy of their credit history and immediately see and understand that their debt-to-credit ratio is higher than it should be. Anything over 80% utilization is going to cause your credit score and history to take a dive. Now, it can actually hurt you up to 100 points with respect to your score. So when you're going to get a car, get a loan, or use your credit in any fashion, the main thing that you want to look at is to make sure that your credit-to-debt ratio is at least under 50% of what your utilization can be. Now, what am I talking about? So if you have a credit card and what you can use is $10,000, that's your limit, and you have used $8,500 of that $10,000, it's too high. That's going to cause you from the credit scoring standpoint of view and the algorithm that is looking to weigh risk, that's going to cause you to be over the limit. Okay, a lot of people think that, oh, I I can spend $10,000, so if I go over $10,000, then I'm over the limit. But that's not what the credit system or the scoring system is looking at. They're looking at that you're approaching going over your limit, and to them, that's a red flag. So whenever you're going to get a loan, always make sure that your balances and the way that they're showing up on your credit history are at least under 50%. And the thing to remember is once you get it that way and you're able to pull a copy of your credit history and see where your credit scores stand, you want to keep it that way, especially friends out there that are buying homes. Okay, you want to keep things status quo. You don't want to get any new credit while you're buying a house. You want to make sure that your credit to debt ratio, which we're focusing on right now, is under 50%. And you want to make sure that you haven't closed any credit cards. Okay, really, really important information. Um, the, The debt ratio factor that factors in as far as your cars or your student loans and things of that nature, that's a different piece of the puzzle. The debt to credit ratio is really focusing on your revolving credit cards. Okay, so that's about 60% of your credit history. So not only from a creditor standpoint of view when you have late payments, but specifically the ratio of debt that you owe on your credit cards. Now, what's important to know and understand is that when you're going to get a loan, they're going to use a different term than I'm using right now, debt to credit ratio. They're going to use debt to income ratio. So when you're filling out an application to get a loan, 
to get a home loan, which is called a 1003, incidentally. When you're filling out a 1003 and you're giving it to your mortgage broker, you're giving it to your bank, they're going to look at your overall debt to income ratio. So they're going to look at your income and they're going to take your monthly debt that you have. So everything that's on your credit report plus plus, what's the plus plus? They're going to be looking at, you know, your insurance for your car, your insurance for your home, your health insurance, all of the other expenses that you have on a monthly basis that are actually not showing up on your credit report. Okay, so I want to make sure that I'm differentiating so that you know and understand the difference. And incidentally, I've had many people ask me, well, why doesn't my income show up on my credit report so that if I, you know, if I'm in debt $30,000, big whoop-de-doo, I can pay it off because my income is really strong and high. Well, there's no such thing as stated income or any income that reports to your credit history. And the mathematics are not weighted against what your income is. The mathematics are weighted on how much of a credit limit you have. And hence why I'm saying the difference between debt to income ratio and debt to credit ratio is that they're only looking at the things that are reported and open on your credit report. Okay, so the biggest emphasis that they're looking at is your revolving credit card. So if you can make sure and have whatever you owe on your credit cards under 50%, chances are you're going to show up and show strong on your credit history. So let's go to the next one, which is payment history and why that's super important. So payment history goes way beyond just making sure that you make your payment on time. Okay, that's a big one. Of course, you don't want to have a 30-day late payment showing on your credit report. Absolutely not. But payment history also is attributed to if you pay interest to the bank. Okay, now don't shoot the messenger. I've told you guys this many times if you have followed me that it is extremely important to practice and utilize the 80-20 rule at least two times a year. And why is this important? And why does it go into your payment history? Because a bank and financial institutions, number one thing that they want to do, unfortunately or fortunately, and why they exist, is to make money. And how do they make money? They don't make money off saying, hey, Mr. Smith, we like you a lot. You want $100,000? Well, here you go. We're just going to write you a check. (laughs) No, it doesn't work that way. The way it works is Mr. Smith wants to come and have a loan with me. Awesome. We're going to go ahead and give you that loan, Mr. Smith, but we're going to tack on 4% interest on the money that you're borrowing. Okay. Or from a credit card standpoint of view, every time you use our credit card, Mr. Smith, X amount of interest is going to be added to your purchase. Okay. Now that is if you use your credit card appropriately. All right. Now, when your bill comes in with your credit card, a lot of people pay their bill off in full every single month, which I'm not saying is not a good practice. But this 80-20 rule that we're talking about and why I'm impressing upon you that it's important to use twice a year is that this is called the rule of credit. And what all banks and financial institutions want to see a strong credit card holder doing 
which is paying them interest on a purchase at least two times a year. Okay, now listen, we can be really smart about this because they're not looking at how much you pay. They're just looking at this as a process or an algorithm or a procedure that you follow. And hence, that's why it's called your payment history. It's not just, again, about how you make your payments and that you're making them on time. It's also about how you utilize the rules and the rule of credit when it comes to that particular credit card. So if you use the 80-20 rule like I'm suggesting and you do it two times a year, it's very simple. The way that you would do that is whatever you spend that month, let's say it's that $10,000 credit card. Well, because I'm smart and I know that this month I'm going to pay interest on whatever my transactions are, I'll make it maybe $500 that I'll spend. When the bill comes in, I pay 80% of the bill. I leave 20% to revolve and pay interest the following month. Now, interest on whatever that 20% is, is going to be so minuscule. I may pay, I don't know, $9, but is $9 worth having a higher yield FICO score specifically in this market right now? (laughs) Absolutely it is. Why is that? Because all banks and financial institutions right now, because we have historically low interest rates on loans, I mean, guys, listen, money is practically free. F-R-E-E, free 99, okay, almost, because we're talking about interest rates that are in the 2%. This is historic times, guys. So having a really high FICO score, is it worth it? Is it worth the return on investment? Absolutely it is, because if you have a 760 FICO score, if let's say they decrease the rates even more, you will be one of those first candidates that they will take because your credit score fits into a specific box. So don't discount the fact that paying a bank interest at least two times a year is going to help you. Now, how is it going to help you on the bank side? The other thing that it does is it shows you to be a good customer. Okay? Why is that? Well, again, banks and financial institutions are in the business to make money. So when you follow their rules and their guidelines, when something comes up, let's say you want an increase in your limit or you want to take advantage of one of their programs where you want 0% interest rate, where you want to transfer over some bills that you have or some medical expenses or whatever it is that you want to do, when you're a good customer and you do these types of things, they're more apt to give you access to programs than they would be if you didn't follow these rules, okay? And also if you didn't have a long credit history with them. Also what would happen is in the midst of these kinds of times that we find ourselves in right now, a lot of banks and financial institutions that have credit cards out there, they're analyzing their risk, and they're looking at customers that may have not been using interest. They're looking at customers that don't use their credit cards a lot and they're either cutting their limits or they're closing their cards. So there's something to be said about following the rules. There's something to be said about paying the banks a little interest so that you get something in return. And what is that? You get a higher credit score. Now, it's not a joke, 
okay? Because you can have at least 40 points of a higher credit score than you would by using that method than not using that method. So moving right along, and we're going to quickly go through these, um, these other ones here, address history. Well, it's really important not to have 20 addresses showing on your credit history. And why is that? Because again, the credit score is weighing risk. It's an algorithm that's helping banks and financial institutions understand risk. And if you have 20 addresses on your credit report, doesn't that kind of look risky? I would say so. So what you want to do is you want to look at your credit report and make sure that only the last five years of of residency, where you've been living, is showing and not where you lived when you were two, okay? Now, the credit agencies are more than willing to suppress that information. Now, why am I saying suppress and not remove? It's very simple, friends, because the credit agencies have a big, big hand in data and information for our court system, for the FBI, for the government. So a lot of the information that they are tracking or that they have is not just for credit and banks. It's for a lot of other things. So although you won't be able to see those old addresses, they'll still have those old addresses in the background. So like for real estate agents that are out there and you're going to get your real estate license, one of the things that they do is they do a background investigation and they do a pretty in-depth one. So, you know, they would find these types of addresses and they may ask you questions about those. But those are not addresses that have to be on your credit report visible for banks and financial institutions to see. And hence, again, if they are suppressed and they're not visible, the credit scoring system, the algorithm, the mathematical system that uses risk assessors and patterns will not pick up on all of those addresses, but only the address or addresses that you've lived in the last five years. So again, really super important. That also goes into multiple names. So if you've been married a couple of times, um, if you have had your name misspelled from filling out an application and someone has misspelled your name, a lot of times when you look at a copy of your credit history, you're going to see that it will show AKA also known as this particular name. You want to make sure and get rid of those as well because people can have a plethora of those showing up on their credit history. And again, it aids in the risk factor. The next one and almost last one that we're going to be talking about is new credit and how that affects the FICO pie chart or your credit history. It's really important to know and understand that specifically when you are in the market to buy a home or to get a loan, you do not want to process any new applications. You don't want to, if you're buying a house, you don't want to go out and buy new appliances or furniture, things of that nature before your loan closes. And the reason for that is, is the minute that new credit shows up on your credit history, it will actually cause your credit report and score to go down. And the reason for that is is that it unbalances all of your ratios that have been level or leveling out on a monthly basis at the same time with the same information. Now you've added something new to the equation and it's sort of foreign 
to the mathematics that have been being used before. Hence what we talked about in the first one, which is the length of credit history. So now we have a brand new credit card or a brand new line of credit that's showing on the credit report that has no history whatsoever. So it's almost like a red flag to an underwriter. So it's definitely something you should not do when you are thinking about getting a loan within a 90-day period, or specifically when you are in a loan, because it can kill your deal. Now, the important thing to know and understand is that it's not that new credit is bad. It's just that it has to season. And typically, it takes anywhere from nine, um, excuse me, three to nine months to season. So in after the first 90 days, Okay, it will season and it will start actually um, it it will it will lessen the blow, let's say, on how much it took away from your credit score. So the credit score dip is really temporary. But what will it will strengthen your credit history once you've had nine months of history with that new particular credit card or new loan or whatever is new on your credit report. And how you pay it, it can actually strengthen your credit history. But it's important to know and understand that in the inception of that new credit, the first three months, it's going to bring your credit score down temporarily. And then once you've had your second billing cycle and you've paid it, which is typically 90 days after the account is opened, your credit score will go back to normal of where it was before you had that new line of credit. So again, it's not that it's a bad thing. It's just something that I always want to alert clients about when we're talking about the credit scoring system. Because of course, we get questions every single day from our clients because they're monitoring their credit scores and they're like, oh my gosh, my credit score dropped. What happened? And I immediately have to look or my staff has to look and we see either their balance has increased or they have they bought a new car or their lease ended and they turned in their lease and now they have a new lease and so it's easy to identify what the situation is and you know help to calm them down but also i like people to know that that is the result when you get new credit and the last and final thing that i want to talk about when it comes to the credit scoring system and how it's derived is the different types of credit Okay, so you have different types of credit. You have mortgages, you have lines of credit, you have credit cards. There's all kinds of different types of credit that you can have, but there are only two different types of ratings, which are installment debt and revolving debt. So installment debt or installment credit cards or loans, they have a maturity date. So you have a contract, let's say it's a car, you have a contract for three to five years and once that three to five years is over, it matures and you no longer are making those payments. So installment credit, there's not as big of an emphasis when it comes to your credit score than there is with revolving credit because what they say or you know what they look at is installment credit is typically your mortgages and your car okay with the exception of american express so just so you know friends and fans out there if you have an american express sign and travel which means that whatever you spend in that month you have to pay at the end of the month that is considered an installment credit card 
So it doesn't give you as much mileage with your credit score that a typical, like an open American Express card would, where it's a revolving American Express. But going back to the installment debt, so it's usually your cars and your homes, okay? And the reason why there's not as big of an emphasis on that is that they say people are traditionally going to pay or make their car payments and their home payments before they would pay a credit card payment. So revolving credit has a huge impact on your credit history, okay? So it's the biggest type of credit that you need to have on your credit report. And one of the biggest things that helps to increase your credit score and keep it in a good pattern. So revolving credit history and why there's such a huge emphasis on that is that either one of two things is going to happen. They're going to close the credit card or you're going to close the credit card. But other than that, a revolving credit card is going to continue until one of those things happens. And your balance is going to go up and down depending on how you use it. So what a bank and financial institution says is that revolving credit and the use of those credit cards is a good way for them to understand how you leverage your cash position and hence why revolving credit is so important to the credit score. So I always tell everyone with revolving credit, you at least need to have two revolving credit cards reporting to your credit history at all times, and you want them to at least be over 12 months of history for you to have a really strong and viable credit score and honestly be able to get a loan in today's market because having a young credit history, anything under six months, a lot of banks are going to frown on that because they need more to sink their teeth into. So that is what I have for you today about the credit scoring system, the FICO score, the credit score, whatever you want to call it. It is something that helps you and is an investment tool for you to build wealth. So the more you know, the more prepared you are, the better you are. And I want to thank you for coming to this show. Please make sure that you come back to our next shows because we're going to be talking about really important information that you need to know and pass on. Once again, if you have not subscribed to this very informative podcast, Your Credit Today, please hit that subscribe button and share this information with all of your friends and family. This is A to the N to the G. You're listening to Your Credit Today, and I'm out.